May the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Again, welcome. It's common this time of year to hear words paired together, happy and holidays, merry and Christmas. I want to think about two pairs of words that are also appropriate for this time of year. The first pair of words is two words, fear and not, fear and not. The second pair of words is good news. Those are two very common pairs of words for Christmas. And this morning, I want to think about the connection between that pairing, fear not, and good news. You can follow along in some sermon notes. They're found on page 19 of your service leaflet. This morning, we'll look at a common problem that we all have, and it's through our scriptures, the problem of fear. Next, we'll look at uh, the Christmas greeting, that first Christmas greeting of fear not, and we'll consider how really how incapable we are of doing what it says to not be afraid. And finally, we'll look how Christmas, the announcement of Christmas, the good news of Christmas does for us what we can't do for ourselves, and that is make us not be afraid. So let's jump in. First, a common problem, the common problem of fear. And this was a theme that ran through all of our passages from Genesis, the first reading in Genesis, all the way to the end. Sometimes the fear was explicit. Sometimes the fear was implicit. Our readings begin with Adam, who is afraid. He is afraid of God, and he hides in the garden. Now, if you're familiar with the Bible, you know that sometimes it's appropriate to fear God. This is not one of those times. There is a worthy respect, a, a respect of God, and a fear of him that comes from his greatness. Uh, his worthiness. This is not that type of fear. This is a fear that comes from doubt of his character. Adam is questioning in his heart whether God is good, whether God is with him, whether God can be trusted. And it is because he is afraid, because he doubts that he hides in the garden from him. He is afraid. In our next reading, we hear from the promise to Abraham. And I think you can there's some implied fear there. Abraham fears that he will have no uh, inheritance, no one to follow after him, and God assuages his fear through his promise. The fear is explicit in Isaiah chapter, uh, chapter 9. There are people who walk in darkness. The, fear is, the problem of fear is explicit in Isaiah chapter 35. Say to those who have an anxious heart. Now, we don't know exactly what the people of Isaiah's day were afraid of. I think may a better description then fear would simply be dread. We don't know exactly what they were afraid of, but there was just a pervading sense of dread. The author Tim Keller writes this, that dread is less specific than fear. It is an attitude that something is sure to go wrong if it hasn't already. And the people of Isaiah's day were those people who lived with dread. Kind of the cosmic equivalent of Murphy's Law. If something is going to go wrong, it will go wrong. Fear becomes explicit with uh, the New Testament. Mary, of course, is afraid. The shepherds are afraid. Fear is a significant factor, explicit, implicit, in every passage this morning. Sometimes the fear is acute. Sometimes there's just a general pervading sense of dread. Nonetheless, fear runs throughout. 2020 has been a time, been full of many causes for fear, been full of causes for dread. We've had real fears, acute fears, fears of our health, the health of our loved ones, fear of the security of our job, uh, 
fear of any number of things. I'm in a group of clergy and we meet regularly. We met over the summer as the racial tensions began to escalate and one of the clergy members said, remember back in the good old days when all we had to worry about was a global pandemic? 2020 has been one of those types of years when the causes for anxiety have simply stacked up one on top of the other. And so in addition to the very real specific fears that we have, I think most of us could resonate with this sense of dread, this cosmic Murphy's law. If something bad is going to happen, then it certainly will. Now again, there's some types of good fear, but this general sense of dread that I'm describing is not. There's nothing healthy about that sense of dread. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2 that fear can lead to imprisonment. They were enslaved by their fear, the author of Hebrews writes in the second chapter. I stumbled upon a little word connection that I thought was interesting that sort of illustrates this point. The word repent, which is a very common word in the Bible, is, comes from the Greek word metanoia. And I think most scholars would say that we don't have a really great translation for that Greek word, metanoia. Let me unpack it for us. Meta means big, great, large. Noia means mind or to think. So the repentant person is one who is no longer small-minded, but they are, uh, I think the word would be magnanimous. They think great thoughts. They assume the best about the other people. They assume uh, that God is on their side. The opposite of the person who is repentant, who has gone through the process of metanoia, do you know what it is? Paranoia. Paranoia. The person who is paranoid thinks the opposite of the repentant person. The person who is paranoid thinks that everyone is out to get them, everyone including God. And you can all envision how this general sense of dread would lead to an imprisonment. How we could begin to think, why even get out of bed? Fear, it's a real problem. And I think this year again has been one where we can all resonate with sort of a general sense of, well not clinical uh, paranoia or anything of that nature, but just a general sense of dread. So let's move to our second point. A common problem shared by us all, a common problem with left unchecked will lead to our enslavement. And now before we get to the good news, I simply want to remind us uh, the state of our condition because you and I are incapable of doing anything to really alleviate your fears. You're incapable, this statement, fear not, it is, it's, you are incapable of making that happen. Let me explain. There's a big difference between the command, don't be afraid, and the command and the encouragement to take courage, be brave. Now the encouragement to be brave and be courageous is great, nothing wrong with that, but there is a big difference between take courage to overcome the things that you're afraid of versus don't be afraid at all. Let me illustrate. My wife is afraid of heights. Unfortunately for her, none of her six children nor her husband have the slightest fear of heights. A couple of weeks ago, months ago, we went on a hike through Old Rag in the Shenandoah Mountains. It was for one of the children's birthday. And the first hike, half of that hike, is boring. It is a walk in the woods. 
And it looks basically the same over 100 yards, just trees and a slight incline. And my kids were bored, grumbling, what, I got a hike on my birthday. And then, my, meanwhile, my wife loved it, taking pictures. We got to the scary part, and let me tell you, it's a scary hike. I was very impressed. Rock scrambles, stepping over crevices, winding your way through narrow little cracks. At that point in time, my kids, yes, this is the best hike ever. Meanwhile, my, my poor wife, she made the hike, but she did it by her courage, overcoming her fears. And there again is a, one made it hopping and skipping over the jumps and over the cracks and winding the way. The other made it just because they had no fear to begin. Maybe a little too uh, much, maybe not enough fear. Do you understand the difference? Don't be afraid is very different than saying take courage. Both are good, but the Christmas greeting is not be brave. The Christmas greeting is don't be afraid. And there is nothing that you can do to accomplish that. There's nothing you can do to make yourself unafraid. The most common ways we try to conquer our fears are through logic, but it doesn't work. You know this just as well as I do. Do you know the statistics of being eaten by a shark are staggeringly low? Did you know you are 20 times more likely to be killed by a cow than a shark? How many people dread going to the farm? None. How many people, the first time you step into the water, you have just this nagging little thought of, I am entering a domain not my own. I am entering shark-infested water. You tell yourself, like I tell myself, I don't need to be afraid, but boy, I have not eradicated that fear. I've simply chosen to overcome it. And there is nothing that you can do to get yourself over being afraid. And all the logic in the world has no effect on the fact that you are afraid. Try it. Try telling yourself, I don't need to be worried. Uh, my job is secure. Tell, try telling yourself that I don't need to worry about my kids. They're going to be fine. Logic has zero impact on your ability to make yourself unafraid. So let's move to the second point, or the, the third pairing of good words, in our, or sorry, the third point and the second pairing of good words, and that is good news. Because you know what? can burst the bubble of dread in a moment's notice? Good news. Good news can do what your logic and your reason cannot do, and that is dispel fear. I've shared this personal example before, so bear with me if you've heard it before. It made an impact on me and still does. It's around August or April of 2013 when the bombing of the Boston Marathon occurred. At that point in time, the shadow of 9-11 still loomed very large. And for myself and probably for many of us, uh, the dread of and the insecurity uh, that we felt from those terror attacks on 9-11 was just accentuated by another example of our own fragility, another example of our own our inability to provide for our safety. Just a general sense of dread. And I remember where I was several nights after 
that tragedy occurred. I was watching the TV, and across the ticker tape of the bottom of the screen, there came this announcement. The hunt is over, the search is done, the terror is over, and that is the announcement from the Boston police, April 19th and 2013. And I remember a distinct emotion that I felt that I had not felt for a long time, and that was relief. I was unafraid. For just a moment, the fears crept back in by the end of the day, by, by within a couple of weeks, but good news, something that just happened, good news that was affected me and burst the bubble of dread. Good news can do what the best of logic cannot do. Good news can dispel your fears. Christmas fundamentally, primarily, at its most basic level, is the announcement of good news. Fear not, for I bring you good news with great joy, for unto you this born is day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. It is good news. It is good news that is personal. It is good news that is for you. The bomber of the Boston Marathon was captured in Waterton, Massachusetts. That's about 700 miles away. It's a long way away, but even from that distance, I still felt relief. Can you imagine the sense of relief felt by the residents of town? The more the impact, the more we are impacted by the news, the more relief we feel. This is good news that is for you. Not for people 700 miles away, but for you. The good news of Christmas is new news. It's the news of a birth. A new thing is happening. God is doing something new. For unto you is born a savior. The good news of Christmas is saving news. The good news of Christmas is supernatural news. The savior to be born is none other than God in the flesh, Christ the Lord. And the way he saves us is spelled out through the rest of the gospels. The depth of his love and the depth of his sacrifice is laid out through the pages of the gospel. That, that is not my point this morning. The point this morning is simply to remind you of your inability to do what you need to do, and that is to dispel your fears. And to remind us that there's one thing that can dispel your fears. That is good news. Let me summarize. Fear, it's a pervasive theme through every one of the scripture readings we encountered. And fear is one of the most pervasive themes of my life and your life, whether it is acute or it is a general dread. And I bet if you and I dug deep enough, we would come to discover that the fear behind all our fears is kind of the same fear that Adam was afraid of. Adam feared that God was not good, that God was not with him, that God could not be trusted, that God was not for him. And the good news of Christmas reminds us 
it tells us we have no idea. We have no comprehension of how good God is, of how much he is with us, of how much he is for us. So, let's place ourselves in the readings for this morning. Let's take our place with those who are afraid, with those who have an anxious heart. Acute fears or general dread or maybe just a little bit of both. Let's imagine you're watching TV and then across the bottom of that TV there comes a little ticker tape announcement. And it says, good news. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, has come into the world and he has come into the world to save you. So, in addition to these word pairings that we often hear together, happy and holidays, merry and Christmas, let me encourage to include these in our Christmas greetings. Fear not. And good news.